Welcome. You may be a member at Rochester Church of Christ, or you may follow us regularly online, or you may have been referred to this by a friend. Either way, we're glad you're here. This is Adam Hill, Minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I hope that this message will speak into your life with the good news about Jesus. Good morning. I'm going to ask y'all to have a seat. I know, I know, I know, I'm, it's all just different every time. We want to know what we can expect. I want to welcome you to week four of our Created Four series. Last week, it was Memorial Day weekend, and we discussed how God created us for rest. And I want to thank you because I heard from plenty of folks whose family really took to heart (laughs) that they were created for rest over Memorial Day weekend. When mom would say, I need you to help me clean up, they would say, but mom. God has created me for rest. And so I I am thankful that you are rested because that's going to set up today that you are created for work. Now you may stand. And we're going to read. I wanted to make you work a little bit. See that? It's all connected. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1 and then a verse from chapter 2 as well. But if you will, read your Bible with me. Here we go. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says this. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then from chapter Chapter 2, I want you to hear verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Heavenly Father, you have created us to bear your image, to carry your influence into the world around us. You have made us to rest. And God, you have made us to work. God, I pray today that we can honor you by hearing what it is that you have to say to us, by correcting us where we need correction, by strengthening us where our faith needs strength, by guiding us with your spirit. Father, we love you. Speak now for your children are listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm going to be talking about work. I know just as summer is getting here, I'm going to start talking about work. 
But the truth is, we have a lot to learn about work. You see, work is important. And I've told you we were created for work. However, work is not all we were created for, as we discussed last week. So many of us find our identity in work. And that's not biblical. All right? Work does not provide the ultimate meaning for our lives. So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag early and, 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 and do something I don't do very often. I'm going to tell you the main point right up front. All right, here's, here's the point of the sermon today. So if you were planning on a light day of like reading through uh, reflections and then kind of just checking out, this, this is your day. Uh, and that's why you don't do this that often. But nevertheless, here you go. The main point of the sermon today is that our best life can only be found in God's plan. Okay, we can live in ways that are not according to God's plan, but it will not be the best life that God has intended for us. Okay, our best life is found in God's plan. All right, so I want you to imagine this. A person, a complete stranger, someone you've never met, walks up to you. You're just standing there. They walk up to you, right? And Julian, they say, this, this is exact. okay, you've never met this person, complete stranger. They walk up to you and they say this. The Latin name for a common mallard duck is Histrionicus, Histrionicus, Histrionicus. That's what they say. What in the world will you do with that? Now, there's options of how you can respond. For instance, you can come up with all sorts of things, but you know what you're going to try and do? You're going to try and make sense of it in some way, and so you're going to put a story with it. This is how our brains work. We make sense of things by adding a story around it. And so perhaps, perhaps this person is mentally ill. That's one of the stories we could put up. Okay, this is, maybe this is what they say to everyone. This is their only sentence. And every person hears, that they talk to every person hears, the Latin name for the common mallard duck is histrionicus, histrionicus, histrionicus. And everyone just goes, all right, and moves on, because that's all you can do. Maybe, though, second story, maybe, They have mistaken me for someone who yesterday was speaking to them and said at some point, I wish I knew the Latin name for the common mallard duck, but I just don't. I guess I never will. And then... They saw me, who they thought was their friend from yesterday, today, and said, ooh, I got to tell him. The Latin name for a common mallard duck is histrionicus, histrionicus, histrionicus. All right. Third story I could put with it. This person is a foreign national spy. 
and this is their contact phrase. <laughs> that they are sharing secrets that are going to endanger the American way of life. And they have a, a phrase they have to say in order to make sure that their contact is who they're supposed to be meeting. And they walk up and they say, the Latin name for the common mallard duck is histrionicus, histrionicus, histrionicus. The way I respond is directly connected to the story that I manufacture around it. And so what am I supposed to do? I should attack this foreign spy <laughs> because they are a threat to me and my people and the American way of life and I'm not going to stand for that, so I'm going to attack them, which is, the, I guess, an okay response unless they just think I'm someone from yesterday who asked them this question, and then it's a completely wrong response. All right, Adam, what in the world are you doing right now? <laughs> I'm preaching. Here's what I'm getting. <laughs> How you respond to something is directly related to the way that we think about the story, and your work will make less sense in your life if you do not place it in a larger story. There is a larger story in your life in which work will make more sense. But you need that story. If you don't have that story, work makes less and less sense. What words come to mind when I say the word work. This is the audience participation part, that's why I grabbed my coffee. What words come to mind? Passion. Passion. Nice. Joy. These are church answers. What sweat? Thank you. That's a good that's a good answer. I like the church answers. Those are good. Passion and joy are important. We'll get there. Ability, labor. Self-worth, paycheck, there we go. Yes, someone's right here with me. Paycheck, not y'all, other jobs. Um, no, but uh, yeah, okay. Um, retirement, one day, no time soon. Stress, yes, yes, now we're getting real honest. Now here's the deal. Uh, we got close with self-worth, but how about identity? Because a lot of us, when I meet someone, hi, I'm Adam. Hi, Adam. Tell me about yourself. Well, I'm the pastor at Rochester Church of Christ. I just told them my job. Tell me about yourself. I started with my job. What's that tell you? I am at some level equating me with what I do. I'm a doctor. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm a truck driver. I, whatever it is I am becomes the way I answer the question, and who are you? Here's the deal. If you choose the story that you choose to put your work in, if you choose the story of culture and advancement, that you are what you do. That is a well-traveled road. 
It'll be pretty easy to walk that road. But let, here's the problem with that choice. The idea that you are what you do, the idea that the reason that, that you work is for advancement is false. It's, it's, the road is well-traveled. The path has a lot of folks on it, but that doesn't mean it's true. You see, our work should be understood in light of the story of God. This is why it's important to know what, we're, what we were created for. And so, I'm not going to take too much of your time today. I know you're saying that's a lie. Um, it won't be too much, I promise, but I'm the judge of what's too much. So, it's going to be all right. So, here's what I want to do today. I'm going to keep it pretty brief to three points. Every sermon, three points, man. That's not true. Every sermon should have a point. All right? But, but, but I, want to, I want to make three statements where I tie in ways that our faith okay, influences and shapes the work that we do. All right, and first, here's what, and, and, and I owe a lot of this um, to Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller. Uh, he talks quite a bit about faith and work, and I, I, I like some of the ways he phrases things and the way he, he kind of organizes things. It kind of speaks to my heart. And so I've taken some of what he's done, and I've got these three points. Here we go. Faith gives you an inner strength and a fortitude without which work could destroy you. All right. If we wrap our self-worth up in what we do, we are going to destroy ourselves. Aristotle once said, you are what you repeatedly do. Okay, you are what you repeatedly do. So your activity comes first and then your identity grows from that. Aristotle said that. <clears throat> Jesus didn't buy it. That's not Jesus' statement. Jesus' statement is that you do what you are. Your activity comes as a result of your identity. That who you are comes first. That a good, that, 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 that a good tree will produce good fruit. Not that good fruit will make a good tree as if that's the way that works. But rather your identity is going to come first. Who you are is going to come before what you do. And so you are a child of God... Now live like it. Your identity is in Christ. Your activity will reveal it. Right? You're never going to act good enough to earn the blessing. Instead, you're going to live from the blessing and then do what is right. That's why Ephesians 2 and chapter 10 says you were created in Christ. You are God's workmanship, created to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. That there's a place for the good works and your, and your need to do them, but who you are, you're created in Christ first. That identity precedes activity. So our work should be understood in light of the story of God. You see, I, here's what I've found. That if I believe that I am what I do, here's what happens. My successes tend to go to my head and my failures tend to go to my heart. My successes go to my head. And so I think because I did well in business, I'm smarter than everyone else. And anything I do, I can make better decisions than everyone else. 
because I'm successful in business. So my successes have gone to my head. And now I can do everything right. Like, like for instance, I'll be really good at everything, like choosing who to marry. And I can't tell you how many of my friends have found out they're, they're doing guesswork just like the rest of us. We're doing our best. Some of us not our best. I love you. Our success goes to our head. And I can tell you this, success can make a failure of your home really quickly. You must have a deep identity and source for your worth, not grounded in your work in order to be freed to do your best at work and in order to love what you do. In order for that work to become passion and joy, you need to have some kind of inner strength and fortitude not connected to performance. That's where faith comes in. Faith is that inner strength without which work could destroy us. Second, faith informs you of the dignity of all work without which work could bore you. I want you to look at Psalm 145, <clears throat> verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all look to you, God, and, and, give the, and you give them their food at the proper time. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God feeds every living thing. Did you catch that? God provides and feeds every living thing. There we go. That's the premise of Psalm 145 verses 15 and 16. Hold on to that because I promise I'm going to get to it. You see, God has instilled all work with its value and dignity. And all work. Now, okay, Adam, you said all work. What about? And then you list off obviously sinful things. I realize there are sinful things you can do to earn money. Any, how about this? All work that is not sinful is good and dignified work. Okay? Faith informs us of the dignity of all work. You see, this is why our work matters to God. It is wrong to divide spiritual work from secular work. As if the work that I do matters to God because it's spiritual, but the work that you do because you're working with horses isn't really all that spiritual. But it's at a Christian camp, so now we're going to say it's spiritual so it counts. All right, but the work that you do with your car company over there, secular. When we do that, we are totally doing a disservice to what God has taught us about the dignity of all work and what it means. You see, we are the priesthood of believers. 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay, we're a priesthood. The priesthood of all believers means that the work that all of us do is mediating God's presence into the world. That it's not just Dan the youth pastor who's doing God's work. Rather, all of our work matters to God. God feeds everything. Psalm 145, pay attention here because this is good. God could have easily 
given you grain and fruit without plowing and harvesting. God could have given us grain and fruit without plowing and harvesting, but didn't. He chose to connect work with fruitfulness. Did you catch that? Our work is our means, is the way we participate with God in creation. Our work, God feeds every living thing. I work so that I can feed my family. I am bringing home the bacon. That's right. I'm going to make sure that my family can eat. I want to make sure that I can bless those around me and take care of them. How is God feeding my family full of living things? Through my work. God feeds every living thing. And it turns out that my work is one of the ways that God is going to do that. That my wife's work is one of the ways that God is going to do that. That the money we can give to care for others is the way that God is going to do that. The way that I bless my family, my friends, my church, that's how God is going to care for all of them and provide for them the way he's promised through my work. Martin Luther says it this way. He says we are the mask that God is wearing as he provides for all of humanity. Your work is the way that you show the love of God for those around you. And their work is how God's love is shown to you. We are the channels of God's gifts that make creation flourish. Now I want to be clear, this is not me saying that there's a Christian way to do every job. Brian, I'm going I'm to talk about you for a second. I am not sure that a Christian delivery driver performs the duties of their job, sorting, driving, delivering packages, any differently from a non-Christian delivery driver. The mechanics of the job, I'm not sure there's any difference of. The difference doesn't lie in that Christian bakers somehow make bread differently than other bakers. The difference is in the person, right? That Brian, who is a Christian, is delivering these packages. That's that's the difference. You see, a Christian in any field asks not only how does my work matter to God, but also how does God matter to my work? That God's presence will shape the way you work. Amen? Okay, so if God's presence will shape the way you work, do not uninvite God. Well, because my work's not church work, it doesn't matter to God. Wrong. Your work matters to God and God matters to your work. What it means to do your job as a Christian worker is to connect what you do with how God is blessing and bringing flourishing into this world. 
Work is us continuing the work of God in creation so that we can participate in the ongoing care that God is taking of creation. So be the best at what you do. Not just for your own glory, for God's glory. Do your best. Third thing, faith gives you a moral compass without which work could corrupt you. Faith gives you a moral compass without which work could corrupt you. You see, there is so much pressure for profitability at the expense of integrity. At the expense of treating people rightly. I saw recently a survey and they had surveyed folks who made between seventy-five dollars and $250,000 a year. Okay? They surveyed people who make between seventy-five dollars and $250,000 a year. And over 80% of those people surveyed said they would be content if they made $10,000 more a year. Between seventy-five and two hundred and fifty, over eighty percent of them said, "If I had just ten thousand more per year, then I'd be content." Serving yourself is exhausting. Look at Genesis chapter two and verse fifteen. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You may have to work it and to keep it. Those words are really interesting words. The word work it means to dance real hard. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, it's funny. It's funny, right? It's funny. Someone recently told me, you should go into stand-up comedy. And I was like, I basically am. Um, it's close. <clears throat> the word work it literally means to cultivate it. To serve at it. Right? The word that's translated to keep it or to take care of it means to care for it, to preserve it. Okay. So if that's what the work that God has created me for is, to cultivate, to serve, to preserve, to care, what would that look like at my job? What would it look like at your job if that's, if that's what you were doing? Mark read earlier from Colossians chapter 3. And I'm also going to read from Colossians chapter 3, only I want to hit you with verses 12 and 13, which fall between the verses that Mark read. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved. Oh man, it's almost like he said you're loved and chosen. Mm. Speaking my language. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Does that sound like work you? You know, there's Adam and then there's work Adam. 
Does that sound like work, you? That list. You see, here's the deal. The more we separate our true selves from our work persona, the harder it will be to experience and discern God's transforming presence at work. The more I'm not my true self at work, the more difficult it's going to be to discern God's transforming presence. Notice what Genesis 2.15 doesn't say. Here's what, here's what blew me away. Genesis 2.15 is not situational. It did not give a start time or an end time. There was no clock in and clock out. There was no shift. Put you there to keep it and to work it. To, to watch over it, to take care of it. And that's going to be our job forever. That's our work. That's what we do. That's still going on here and now. The way that we preserve and serve, the way that we care and provide for, that's our job here on this earth. And, 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 and I, man, students, eyes right here. That's not just your parents' job. That is your job too. You're here for a reason right now. You've got a purpose to take care of, to keep and watch over, to cultivate and serve in this world, in all that you do. And if the place where you work to do that is your school, that's great. And if it's where, if your job, that's great. If it's your household, that's great. You have purpose right now that God created you for. And what I'm hoping will cultivate is that, right, oh man, I'm going to sound like, an, like a, oh, it's like such an adult thing. <laughs> a work ethic. Only not in some weird my generation is better than your generation kind of way. I want you to have a godly understanding of work. Because I, I, I wasn't raised with that. I want you to have a godly understanding of your purpose for why you're here. To work it, to keep it. It's when God talks about the garden... The point is not the end, the point is the ongoing means. The consistent practice of vocation, of calling. Can you go ahead and bring your team up? Dallas Willard um, has a statement I like and it goes something like this. He says, the most important thing about a person is not what you do, but who you're becoming. Okay, the most important thing is not what you do, it's who you're becoming. So when you work, ask yourself, who am I becoming? Who are you becoming? Some disciples sadly get convinced that the goal of this life is to escape this world and go somewhere else to be with God. 
That's not our calling. And because we're disciples, we're not merely visiting God every weekend. Rather, we carry Him around with us, in us, everywhere we go. In this world, we are not tourists. We live here. We work here. God created you for this. So when you go to work, bring all of you to everything you do. Bring all of you wherever you go, especially work. It'll only make, it makes so much less sense until you put it in the story. Until you understand what God has created us for. Boy, that rat race is so appealing, but then you get there and you find out it's just empty. But in the larger purpose of, of, of God creating a flourishing in creation, you get to be a part of that. And our work is how we do that. Now, some of you may feel directionless and pointless because that story is not your story. Well, I, I want to give you the opportunity to make that story your story. To take Jesus on. Because if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for God's image in your life, I encourage you to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and praise God. If anyone would like to respond and take on Christ today, come forward while we sing together. Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. We are not a perfect people but we long to live in ways that help people see God and the kingdom more clearly. To learn more about our family of faith or to connect with us, visit www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.